Welcome to another Wednesday edition, a live edition here of the Rock Pile. I'm your host, as always, the coach, Rocky Crigliano, and I got a special guest in here tonight. He's in the green room, Ryan Monaco. I'll bring him on in just a moment. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock if that time changes. I'll make sure I let everybody know. Um, you can put comments in the comment box if you have questions for Ryan or myself tonight. And I'll try to get to as many comments and questions as I possibly can. And then what I will also do um, is I can pull them up. So if you have, if you're on watching us on Facebook or YouTube, um, just make sure you like my profile page on both Facebook and YouTube. And I could also interact with you on there as well. So without further ado, let me bring him in here. He's he was in the green room here. Let's bring you on screen here, Ryan. Let me get you on. Let Good. me just pull you up here. There you are. I can see you now. How are you? Good. How you doing? Not too bad, buddy. We had a little technical difficulties, right? Yeah, I'm not the uh, I'm I'm not the brightest bulb when it comes to technology at all. My staff will tell me tell you that, but uh, we figured it out. No, we did. Hey, last minute, right? No, no worries with that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So listen, this is a little bit different because last week when I had my buddy Pat on the show, I didn't really have to do much show prep. Right. You, usually on my radio show on Saturday mornings when I go in, it's a little bit different because I go in there with some notes, but nothing's ever scripted with me. So with you it was a little bit different because I actually have about three pages of notes in front of me. I had to actually do some homework tonight. <laughs> that, that's I, all right. That's and I tell right. people, I said, you know what? It's really just, it's fun. It's like we're sitting down when I talked to you earlier in the week. It's like we're just sitting down having a conversation, but I appreciate you taking the time tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're a Notre Dame grad, I hear. I am, class of 2000. Uh, parents, uh, I grew up in Remsen. Um, parents sent me to Notre Dame uh, my freshman year. Uh, first uh, first couple months, I was kicking and screaming, but then after that, it was the best thing that they've ever done for me. So really enjoyed the place, still love it now. And you know what I didn't know, Ryan? Talk to us, too. You you went on and played uh, Division Two soccer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a three-sport athlete in high school, uh, soccer, hockey, and baseball. Really, really loved hockey. Um, really enjoyed baseball as well, but soccer was something that I excelled at. And uh, around my junior year, kind of made the decision that, like, that's the sport that I was going to pursue uh, to go a little bit further in and um, got some decent offers around and chose uh, Dominican College uh, in Rockland County, New York. Now, you were a three-sport athlete in high school, right? Yeah, Yes. Baseball player, basketball, baseball, baseball, hockey, and soccer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now Dominican college, that's division two school. Division two school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And where's that at? It's right outside of New York city. Um, in a town called Blauvelt in Rockland County, New York. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so I picked, I was pretty heavily recruited in Vermont and I would go on these visits and I really enjoyed some of the schools um that i went to and one in particular this saint michael's gave me a whole bunch of money to go there and my parents were really kind of pushing me to go there because of that but then i went to dominican um being 10 minutes outside of the capital of the world new york city i really you know i just picked there and um just it, it just felt like home when i went there so that was good now i know you did some coaching too talk to us yes. a little bit about how you got involved with coaching so I always kind of, even during my playing days, I had a great, I had a great collegiate coach, um, Mike Swanwick, unbelievable man. Yep. Um, and I knew that even when I was playing that I wanted to go on into coaching. 
And I had the opportunity to come back to Notre Dame and do some coaching there. My head coach, when I was a player, was still there. So I came on and helped him out. Uh, he was, you know, it was time for him to go. He was coaching his son as well. He graduated a year after me. So it, it was a good kind of handoff uh, with the program. Um, and I, I really enjoyed doing that. And I did that for about three years. So that was great being able to go back to Notre Dame and, and coach. Well, I can tell you one thing. I'm 0-3 against Notre Dame and, and coaching football. Uh, they, uh, where, where when I was uh, I was the head coach at Sequoia High School. Okay. Um, and when I was my first two years, uh, Byron Abraham was still the, the head coach at Notre Dame. And, man, they were just loaded with skill players. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you did – you, do um god jake dercola was he was he coaching when you guys when you coached as well jake i i got one year of jake when he was at Notre dame okay. um but i think two of the three years it was uh it was byron, byron. yeah yeah so um even fast forward in my from coaching transition to the school's athletic trainer and then i would be on the sidelines i was i started a little bit with byron and then um when jake took over I, I've been with them ever since as the athletic trainer on the sideline for Notre Dame. So. Yeah, and I, and I know a lot of us coaches always would say, well, geez, they got Notre Dame in Class C, Class D. They should be a B school. <laughs> Get them out of C and D and put them in B. But just always great athletes yeah. in Notre Dame. Yeah, it's a, it's a special place. especially. So, me, so when you came back, you got out of college, you came back. Mm -hmm. um, talk to us a little bit about, I think it was the Citroen Center. Was that the first gig that you had? Yeah, so um, – so when I came, so I, I came back, I, I got into coaching. I was, I was doing sales at the time and uh, I, I went back to, to school for physical therapy and ended up going to Utica college and got my graduate degree in physical therapy. Um, first job out of college was at, at the Citroen home, um, had an internship there, uh, clinical, and I ended up landing a job there and I was there for three years, met my wife there and, um, enjoyed my time there, learned a lot, saw a lot of different, uh, different types of patients there. Now the Citroen center too, I know that, uh, there was some comments in there about the concussion management program. Yeah. Can you talk? Yeah. Cause I want to get into that with you here yeah, um, as well, but um, just kind of keep giving us an overview of yourself. I know after the Citroen center um, fitness forum. So talk to us a little bit about that as well. Yeah. So, um, so we, in the years that I was at Citroen, it was like 2011 to 2014, and those are the times where the the whole concussion problem really became uh, a lot of light was shed on it. So we saw a void in the area. Uh, myself, um, Mike Jarmack, uh, the gentleman I'm working with now, we saw a void in the area as far as how concussions are being handled and what we can do about making uh, making treating of concussions better and then recognizing concussions. So we went around to all the different schools and offered uh, baseline concussion testing. Um, we did Notre Dame, and then we did uh, some various youth hockey organizations, Whitestown and Clinton youth hockey organizations. So we would get the kids to come in and kind of see how their cognitive abilities are and how their balance abilities are uh, without any injury. So then if they do sustain an injury, then we can retest them and have something to go on rather than just a, a young kid, which I'm sure a lot of your players have said, well, I feel fine, yep. you know, and that's how we ended up in the problem that we're in now. So now we were able to put a number on it. It was affordable to people um, and, you know, it just made it safer for all the kids. 
So I know Ryan back when I played, I mean, I graduated in 98 and yeah. uh, I played quarterback at RFA and probably had numerous concussions throughout yeah. my career. And, yeah. you know, you know, nowadays you can't say you had a stinger If a kid. No. If a kid says, well, I feel OK, you can't send them back in the game. There's a whole protocol. So I'm okay. all for it. But my question yeah. is, yeah. my my son is eight years old. Um, mm -hmm. This would be the first year uh, my son would be eligible to play um, tackle football. Now, me being the, the, the football coach years ago, I would have said, I can't wait for my son to put the pads on and put the helmets on. Mm -hmm. I've talked to Division I coaches, two, three um, NFL trainers um, for their advice to say, would you put your son in tackle football at, at eight years old? I'm 50-50. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Um, I think that it's a very good question. You have to look at all the changes that they've made to the game in just even let's say in the past 10 years, let alone the last 20 years, um, the equipment's better and player safety is the, like the utmost now with, with the different, uh, the different rules and regulations that they have for the different players. And then I think the awareness, the awareness of the coaches, the training that you guys have to go through, and then the awareness of the athletic trainers and those sports med staff. So I feel that it is much safer for kids to be playing now. Um, whether I'm going to do it or not with my son, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I never in a million call. years. Um, yeah. You know, and the other thing is, and Pat and I were talking about this last week, is I'll never knock volunteer coaches because no. the volunteer coach and put the time in. My thing is this. I, if I can help out, I will, coaching. Mm -hmm. But you have a lot of volunteers now that get on YouTube. They're, they're looking up, you know, tackling drills, uh, different offense and defensive drills. And it's not their fault. They were never taught the proper way. But having right. coaches like that trying to teach my kids or other kids, you know, yeah. sometimes like, eh, I'm a little hesitant with that. Well, that's right. I mean, being an advocate, being an advocate for your kids is like first and foremost the important thing. Um, and hopefully the organization that your kids are involved with take take uh, – you know, take the resources that are out there available. I mean, I would, I, I love when organizations do call, call us now and say, Hey, you know, would you come in and talk to our coaches? Hey, you know, do you do baseline testing? Is that available? And you know, the answer is yes, obviously. So now what exactly, you know, nowadays I've, I've been out for about four years now, but mm -hmm. the concussion protocol, when somebody, you know, they, they exit a game. And I know back when I, when I was coaching, it would be, they'd mm -hmm. have to go like one week without symptoms, before they can even come back onto the field, they had to have like, they were on a bike and stuff. What is the right. pro protocol now? So everywhere is different. The only thing that I can speak of now is the one that I'm in and doing currently is the one that we use through the Vancouver Canucks with the, with the Comets. Um, player gets injured, they come off the ice and they are immediately doing a, um, a test, a computerized test with one of our physicians. So they do that test and then nine times out of 10, even if they do come off the ice, we're going to sit them out the rest of that game just because there's, there's too much uncertainty with it. And, and really last year during the season, um, there was a guy that had gone down and the head athletic trainer at that time, he spent some time with him on the ice, brought him off the ice. He went back into the game and, and he had to go over everything with an outsider that was watching the game and looking in. So the eyes are, are always on us as far as the decisions that we're making and how fast that we're making them. So we're, uh, kudos to the current athletic trainer and the physicians. They do a fantastic job as to the decision-making on that. But um, once the person 
is showing signs of being asymptomatic. We, we like to get him moving as much as possible and as fast as possible because, you know, rehabilitation-wise, it's better to get moving. Um, so we get them on the bike, and then we just see how they're doing. And there's a graded, a graded exercise uh, symptomology that we follow, um, first being a bike, and then they do an exertion test with me, and then they'll, they'll start with the on-ice stuff. Um, and then after they discuss it with a head athletic trainer, do we start having them run through a full practice with, with the coaches, um, then adding contact and then back in the game. And it's, it's usually a five to six step process when it's all said and done based on how they're feeling. Now, do you get a lot of pushback from any of the coaches saying, well, he's okay, let's get him in the game or has the coaches gotten better over the years with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, uh, the, the head, the head trainer has to deal with all that stuff. I just get to, I just get to kind of hang out with the guys. Um, but uh, from a high school level and, and when we, you know, when we deal with kids here at the college and at the high school level, um, there's, there's not any pushback. They, they kind of, you know, it's, it's the kid's safety is the most important thing. So talk to us about our, our viewers tonight that might not be familiar with SPI Utica. Talk to us a little bit about that. All right. So, um, 2014, uh, when I was working at Citroen, I kind of noticed a need for a transition between physical therapy, someone gets injured and then getting back to truly playing the game. You know, they would, they would come in and they would do their rehab. Uh, and there was a gap. There was like a a significant gap between like, okay, your ankle's better. Your knee's better. We're going to get you, you're going to go back to your coach and you're going to just tell them like, I'm ready to get back in. I noticed there was like kind of like a little, little gap there. So, um, me, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark Giordano and then Mike Jarmack started a, a fitness company called SPI and us having a sports medicine background, we felt like we can offer the kids that, that middle ground where they're getting rehabilitation, but also corrective exercise, strength and conditioning to be ready to play. So that's how SPI was born. Um, did that for a couple years and got into more training uh, training aspect of kids, not just injured athletes, just athletes that wanted to come in and be better at their sport. Um, and from that, the physical therapy side of the company was born in 2016 because now we've developed this database of kids that would train with us, different programs, um, calcium soccer program, Vipers baseball program. And just due to the nature of sports, kids are going to get hurt. And they would ask, you know, oh, can we, I, I wish we could do our PT here right with you guys. And I was always, I never thought I was going to go out on my own and do physical therapy. I, I loved, you know, a- after I left Citroen, I went to fitness forum, a physical therapy place. I was working in Barneville and Herkimer and, and I really enjoyed, enjoyed working there. It was a great place. And uh, I got the opportunity to open up my own clinic um, through them inside the field of dreams and Skylar. Yep. And then from there just kind of broke off and made SPI and the physical therapy just one. So. So one of the things I I thought was really neat. And um, I'm going to put the picture up here on the screen for everybody is I I did a little studying about the banner um, that you guys have. And I got to tell you, man, I I thought that's awesome. Can you talk about that? So the banner uh, started and that's a, that's a great, there's one there. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it. Um, The banner started uh, inside field of dreams. It used to be hanging in there and that was going to be the transition. So when we had a, a younger kid, uh, a high school kid, sign with a college team and go on to the next level, um, we would have them come in and sign the banner so that the younger kids 
that were working out there can look at that banner and say like, that's, you know, I want, I got to get my name on that banner. I want to be like so-and-so and be on that banner. And then it's, it's evolved to when we started doing physical therapy to where we would have kids come in. And then once they're finished with their rehab, then they get to sign the banner because they're able to go back and play. And it's, uh, it's, it's surprising just how many kids really, really love that. And they love the picture in front of it. And it's, uh, it's nice seeing the evolution of uh, well, of all the names going on there. Well, I got to tell you, man, don't don't be mad at me, but I think uh, I'm the VP of Ops here at Bernie Bus, but I might steal a banner and put Team Bernie on the board here and go. have people come in as they do I, good things. We'll sign that would it. be fantastic. I yeah. think it was awesome. I had, had to nice. put a picture of Coach Durr up because she's one of my yeah. favorite guests definitely, um, definitely. that have been on with us, and she's doing a great job too. She is. She is, definitely. That's pretty special to have – an athlete of her caliber back, uh, coaching locally. Um, great girl to work with, uh, enjoyed having her here during her time. So one of the things I wanted to talk about too, you've, you've seen a lot of injuries. You've, you've yeah. dealt with a lot of rehab from high school athletes, collegiate, you know, pro athletes as well. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm going back in time to when I played, I obviously the rehab, the technology nowadays, the science, you know, the medicine, everything is so much different now than what it was years ago. Mm -hmm. Athletes are getting back on the fields and ice and basketball courts a lot quicker now than they were years ago. Right. Well, I think it, you know, an injury now, a major surgery isn't a death sentence anymore. Like prior, before, if you tore your ACL, um, you know, that was, that was kind of it. And your, your playing days were over and, and, and now um, the surgeons ha have gotten so much better with their technology. And then that makes it easier for me to do my job, obviously. But we're, it's an ever-evolving ever process. Um, one thing that we like to do here is we always want to be forever students. So we're always looking into what the newest research is and how we're going to apply that to make our athletes better. So, you know, you take someone before Tommy John... ACL, hip labrums now are a big problem, but it's almost sadly become the new norm. Like, you know, you look at, you look at a high school soccer team where before, like, I, I mean, I'm sure back when you played, not many kids were in physical therapy and injured no, when, when you no. were there. No, like it, it just, it just didn't happen. And now if you come in here at three o'clock, any school night, I mean, it's just athletes from all over the place together. But um, the environment that we've created here, one thing, being hurt sucks. Like when you're not able to play, um, it's bad, like mentally, physically. And we've wanted to create an environment here where it, it's okay that you're injured. You're going to have fun here. And you're also going to be, when you step out this door, you're ready to go back and play. There's not going to be any of that like uncertainty. You're going to be throwing here. We've had kids outside throwing baseballs. You're going to be running routes. You're going to be, if you're a cross player, you're going to be tested to make sure that you're ready to step back on that field so a re-injury doesn't happen. You know, and I know too is is back in the day when a, when a kid would get hurt on the field, the first thing that, you know, even when I was with my dad, you know, we would tell the parents, bring them to a PT, you know, bring them to a specialist. Don't bring yeah. them into the emergency room right, because right, the emergency right. room doctors are going to take you out for a bruised ankle for the next two to three weeks. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's a big difference. It's, it, it's unfortunate that that type of medicine, and, and a lot of times they're going to miss everything. Like that's not what they specialize in. Like if someone came in and walked in my door and it had suffered 
um, something that I don't see on a, on a daily basis. Like I've, I've narrowed my focus so much to sports, but if someone had a, if someone underwent a stroke and I wouldn't be able to treat that person as well as someone else. And I have zero problem referring someone out, but there are specialists in the area that you can go to, to receive the best care. And that's, and that's what should happen because a lot of the times things go, things go missed. Uh, you go in, I mean, it happens on a daily basis. They come in here, they have their eval. Um, they went to an urgent care. They went to the emergency room. They want to make sure you're not dying. You know, that's basically it. So um, then they're able to go on to a specialist and then they end up coming here. So now you've probably had some tough conversations too. Coaches always have tough conversations. The, my workplace here, I got to have some tough conversations. When you get a young student athlete to come in mm -hmm. and you know, they're going to be out for six to eight weeks or the rest of their season, you're yeah. like the bad guy because they're thinking, come on, I'm, I tell me I'm going to get back on that field sooner than right. later. Talk yeah. to us about some of those conversations that you have with some athletes. So over the years, I've learned that uh, the best I, I, that I, so what I say to the kids when it's not something black and white. So someone has an ACL repair. One of the doctors that I work with locally, he just says nine months and it's he doesn't care if you're feeling great at four months. He doesn't care if you're feeling great at three months, seven months, eight and a half months. Right from the get go, he explains to them all the research says nine months and that's when I'm going to release you. You're going to be very active before that. Like, and that's where um, the transition between physical therapy and then into SPI happens to where you're working out and you're treating, you're getting treated like an athlete. But when you are upfront with them at the very beginning, there's not that wiggle room. When it's something not like that, I always put it on the parents and I say, look, you, I, I can say whatever I want. The doctor can say whatever they want. It is ultimately your decision whether your son or daughter is going to go back into play. That's that's what it comes down to. So now, now what about some of the, the success stories for you? I'm sure, obviously, the goal is let's get the player or the student athlete back onto the fields, and seeing them from the time they come into you when yeah. they might not be able to walk or you know can't throw right. a baseball. Talk to us about some of the good stories you see. That, so that's, that's why, you know, that's why I got into what I got into is to be able to do that. Um, we work with a lot of baseball players and I noticed that a couple of years ago uh, during the summer um, with an, an American Legion kid that I was, that I was uh, rehabbing and he was playing and I went to the field and I remember when I first started, I would go and watch, you know, watch one of the kids I was working with and I'd go to a game and I'd see one of the kids. And then, you know, recently, you know, I'll go to a game and it's like, oh, I, I rehab that kid. I brought him back. I brought that back on multiple teams. So I don't know where to stand even because I don't want to be, you know, on one side or the other. But it's nice to be able to see that I've made a positive impact right. in so many local players that are able to go from uncertainty to being able to go and play and perform. Like, it's fantastic. That's a great thing. Now, throughout throughout your career, one of the things I mm -hmm. always like to talk about is, you know, a lot of players have role models. Coaches have those people that have been big influences in their life throughout their career. Who are those people for you throughout your career? Ah, it's a great question. Um, so throughout my professional uh, professional career, there's a gentleman by the name of Eric Cressy, uh, and he is just one of the most knowledgeable baseball strength and conditioning coaches in the world. Um, forever, he had his his private practice in Massachusetts, and this year was hired by the Yankees 
Um, just a great guy. And anyone who's in, involved in the sport of baseball, like you need to look into everything that he puts out. Um, great guy, very approachable for someone as high caliber as him. I've emailed him multiple times and him and his business partner always kind of get back to me. So he's someone that I emulate a lot um, in the physical therapy world. A gentleman by the name of Mike Reinold, same thing, just really high caliber people. He was with the Boston Red Sox organization before he went out on his own. So those are two those are two um, people in the strength and conditioning and the physical therapy world that I, that I kind of emulate very much. So now is it, is it harder, obviously the young kids, um, you know, teenagers versus the 30 year olds, 40 year olds, maybe even the college and professional athletes. I know obviously rehabbing a younger person versus an older person, their body may not be fully developed or the bones and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about maybe the difference between like maybe a high school athlete, a college athlete, and even maybe a youth, a youth athlete? Right. Um, so, you know, when you, when you, they come in, I, I like to treat everybody, you know, find out what their strengths and weaknesses are find out what their specific sport is that they're playing. So in my initial that I ask a lot of questions, do a lot of tests. So working with them, um, you know, the young kids, you're trying to make sure that they're having fun throughout the whole process. Um, most of the time when the kids come in through college, they've been in this situation before. Um, so, you know, they get it. They, they know what they have to do and they come through and they, and they get their work done. But with the, with the young kids, you got to keep them focused. The, the, a lot of the times they come in here and it's a fun environment for them because either they've been here before, they've trained here before, or some of their teammates are in the same room or some kids from their school are in the same room. So it's a very lighthearted, it's not like a normal physical therapy place. I've worked at two other places before. And even everybody that I that comes in, I ask them, like, have you ever experienced anything like this? And usually the answer is no. So um, I, I just try to make it as fun as possible for everybody to get through that rehab process. Because as I said before, it's not the most enjoyable thing. Right. Um, working with a professional athlete, the one thing that I've noticed over the past two, three years that I've done that is that now you're talking about someone's livelihood, someone's business. Um, when they're injured, they're not playing. And if they're in a contract year or you know, or or something worrying about playing time, you know, then it becomes more mental. So it's almost as if to be a very, very good physical therapist, you have to have some sort of mental component, some sort of psychological component to also address. You're not just kind of treating the injury. You're also treating the person as a whole and just kind of reassuring them that, you know, things are going to be okay. You know, a lot of listening, a lot of, uh, you know, tough conversations that you have with guys, um, guys and gals, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they know that your goal is to get them better. So now have you done some Utica college hockey games Uh, or just football games? um, As far as sideline coverage, uh, I'm used, you know, as needed, they have an excellent staff over there. There's about five trainers there. So they have their full-time guys um, at the very beginning when we had our relationship with them. So our company does all the strength and conditioning for every Utica college team. So we're involved in the generating the in-season and off-season programs for every uh, collegiate athletes that, that is there. Um, I've got two great guys that I work with that handle all of that. Um, and I, we like to pop in every now and then and, and see what's going on. But um, we've had a lot of the, you know, a lot of the Utica college hockey guys uh, come through um, just due to various injuries and then just kind of training here as well. Now I was looking at, uh, some of the, the, the roster there, your team over at SPI and 
Tommy Jelowick played for me at Sequoia. Nice. Yeah. Tom, Tommy kid. was a good athlete. What, what's he kid. doing? Some strength training? So he came in, Tommy came in and it was kind of funny, uh, my relationship with Tommy. He came in uh, as a student physical therapist. And when, when kids do their student physical therapy thing, they're supposed to send an email to their preceptor about, you know, what their goals are for, um, for, you know, the, the six weeks that they're going to be here. So I said to him after he sent me those goals, I said, Tommy, these goals, and I never met this kid before ever. And I, and I, I looked at the goals. I said, you know, I go, these goals, these goals are terrible. I go rewrite them because this is just generic and I don't accept generic. And from there, you know, the relationship that we had, because he was a CSCS, uh, which is certified strength and conditioning specialist. Yep. Um, and that is the caliber of person that we have that works here. Uh, I expected a lot out of him coming in and, and I got it. He came here, did six weeks as a student physical therapist, kept him on as one of my trainers and he's going to be graduating in May with his DPT. And I'm just ridiculously excited for him. So got to watch him. He was actually, when I started, he was a, uh, a lineman who I actually moved him to fullback because he had, <laughs> he had really good hands and, yeah. uh, he was, he was fast and, you know, he, he was built then, but he was a he's really quiet kid. You can tell he's an athlete. Yeah. He's, he, he's quite, he's good though. He's good. Yeah. He's got that. He's got a great personality and he's got a bright future as far as the physical therapist goes. He's done an excellent job as a strength coach in our organization here. So what are some of the tough injuries you've seen over the years? You've probably seen quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, when you have a, when you have a, a complicated concussion that just does not respond to anything, that's always very tough. Like when you try everything that you have to, to kind of rehab the person and it doesn't get any better because sometimes, sometimes they just don't, that's just the nature of that injury. So that's always challenging. Um, obviously ACL injuries, uh, just because of the length of the rehab process, you know, that's hard. And I always tell everyone that comes in, you know, it's a roller coaster. You're going to have really good, bad, you're going to have really good days and then you're going to have some bad days as well. And don't be so discouraged on those bad days because it's a long, long time. It's a major surgery. Um, I've been very fortunate with my Tommy John athletes. Uh, we've had quite a handful of those and, you know, knock on wood, all of them have gone on and, and continued playing, um, maybe some not at the level that they wanted to, but it's still to be able to get out there and throw a baseball again, that that's pretty rewarding. Um, yeah, those are, those are the toughest ones really. You know, I used to say now is even when, um, you know, when I was at Sequoia, we didn't have JVs. We had kids would go from modified, you know, right to varsity. So, yeah. you know, we, we'd get kids at eighth grade on varsity, you know, ninth mm -hmm. graders, to see those athletes develop by the time they graduated as a senior, to see, you know, how much they matured and just they yeah. developed, you know, yeah. those were great stories. Those kids still call me coach. That's but for awesome. you, I would imagine getting those players back onto the fields, I mean, mm -hmm. that's got to be such a great feeling for you. And I'm sure you probably get some athletes that still keep in touch with you. Yeah, it's nice here. And, and we were saying that last year because now we've been in this location for, for four years. So we've had kids that have transitioned, you know, from, you know, the high school level to the collegiate level and when they're away and then, you know, during the winter and during different breaks and they just, it, it's kind of an open door policy here and they just kind of, you know, come into the craziness that we have here. And it's always nice seeing everybody come back. And it, it means a lot, I, you know, and when the parents say they, you know, the kids just always talk about SPI or, you know, they consider SPI their home away from home or yep. when they come home from college, they can't wait to, 
you know, come and see everybody that, you know, it's, it's a job for us, but that's also very, very rewarding as well. So it's nice. How much you miss coaching? Oh boy. Um, I do. I miss, I miss coaching a lot. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now uh, if I was still coaching because the way that the way, the way that I would want to coach and the way that I did coach was it's coaching, even though you're just coaching, like, you know, in in the fall for football, it's a year long thing. Oh, sure. You know, you're working with the kids in the off season, you're doing summer stuff, you're doing camps. Um, For me, it was doing indoor soccer and it's, it's, it's a year, it's a year round thing. And I would not be able to, uh, have the, you know, the, the second job that I have with the Utica Comets. I have a family now, um, that, that needs my attention and I, I want to be there for my children as well. So, and I always thought about, would I ever go back to coaching and, or if I would ever want to coach my kids? And I don't think I would, I would want them to just kind of have a, a different relationship rather than, I mean, my mom coached me when I was younger at soccer and she would pull my hair. Like, I, I just don't <laughs> want that for, I don't want that for my kids because I'd, I'd freak out on them, I guess. But I just want to kind of be there and, and, and watch them develop and, and help out where I can. So, yeah, it was, it was tough for me because I grew up, my dad was my youth basketball coach, baseball coach. Um, except when I got to RFA, my dad ended up coaching JV football and I didn't get a chance to play for my dad, but mm-hmm. my sister, you know, my sister's a coach, my dad is a coach. You know, yeah. I was a coach, so we kind of had it in our blood. Mm-hmm. I miss, I miss it like hell. But I'll agree with you because when, when my my wife's from Oregon, and uh, oh, wow. when we when we moved back here to Rome, you know, my first year as a head coach, you know, I'll never forget. You know, we we practiced on Monday, and like you said, it's a full time job; it's it all is. year round. It is. Yeah. My wife would say, "You guys had practice tonight." Yeah. I'm like. Lindsay, it's, you know, <laughs> it's Monday through Thursday, games on Friday nights, scouting on Saturdays, right. you know, film, watch it, it film it, it's yeah. film. Um, yeah. I miss it, but I'm, I'm kind of like you with my full-time job right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy doing stuff like this on the side where I can still right. stay close to the game. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, I want my son to, you know, to grow up without dad for a coach, but so far I've coached him in baseball. <laughs> I've, I've coached him yeah. in football. Um, so just to stay my, involved. My son's three. My daughter's going to be two in September. So, I mean, I can say that now because they're not in anything. I guess talk to me in a couple of years and see how well that's going for me not being involved. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, um, I enjoy I enjoy being able to um, be involved with Notre Dame. I enjoy our involvement with Utica College. And I enjoy just being able to uh, to just kind of have an impact on, on everyone that walks into our door, really, basically. So that's kind of where the the mentorship and uh, leadership qualities that I can instill as being a coach, I, I do as a physical therapist and as a strength coach a little bit with some of the guys. So, Yeah, and I just saw tonight that uh, the perfect game, collegiate baseball, so the Diamond Dogs, the Rome General. Yeah. They're- a lot of our – so we've had – so three of the guys, three of the guys that train here uh, – always were on the blue socks. So, uh, Ryan is, um, he's there. He, he stopped in today and he was, he was pretty bummed that not going to be able to play. So, um, Zach brush is another one, Notre Dame grad yep. that's at Lemoyne now. Um, you know, we just kind of miss out on that a little bit. So, but it, it, it is what it is. I, I think that, um, you got to try to make the boat the most out of this situation and, uh, kind of take advantage of, maybe a little bit of rest that you're able to get now too. So now is, is the coronavirus, is it, is it affecting you guys over there at SPI? Yeah, uh, definitely. So the, um, usually, you know, on the, 
I'll speak on the physical therapy side, um, on the physical therapy side, when they stop doing elective surgeries, it, yep. uh, you know, th that's a significant amount of business. So that, that was gone. And then just when I decided to shut down, um, it was a Thursday, it was a Wednesday night that I kind of made that decision late at night. I couldn't sleep. And that Thursday we had like 60 people on the schedule and there was a lot of uncertainty going on as to, uh, it was the beginning of April. Like what is going on with this virus? Like, you know, how, you know, how contagious is it? There was a lot of uncertainty. And, and that next day, that next morning I walked into the office and I said to everybody like, okay, we're, we're going to cancel our schedules and we're going to take a little bit of a pause here and kind of reevaluate as to what's going on. And it was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever made, you know, something that we worked so hard to build up just to shut it down. Um, it was very tough. I had to leave. It was pretty emotional. Had, had to leave and kind of collect myself. Um, on the, on the training side, you know, my guys that are, are used to being 60 hours at Utica College training everybody and then in the evenings here with all the all the the high school um, high school athletes, uh, you know, with that stopping, um, that was tough on them too. like just trying to find a purpose. Um, so we started doing Zoom workouts for everybody yep. and kind of made it a little contest between all the athletes at Utica College, what team's going to have the most people, uh, you know, check in with the Zoom. Um, we've offered, we, we started doing yoga now for the Utica Comic Guys on Thursday. That's been great. Uh, and then we just started slowly reopening physical therapy. This week we opened back up. So we started seeing patients again. So that's been, it's been nice, but yeah, it's been tough. It's been, yeah. it's been tricky. You know, one of the things that I keep preaching at, at my place here is that, you know, we've gotten so much better with communication, with the technology, you know, the Zoom meetings, you know, yeah. meetings like meetings like this. It, yeah. It's going to look so much different when, when we come back and, it, it and people it's, can come back. To, it's going to look so different. It's 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 certainly uh, it's certainly a change uh, for sure. And, and maybe it's a necessary change that needed to happen. But uh, time will tell on that. But it's it's definitely going to be I, I feel I, I feel bad for I feel bad for, uh, you know, speaking of the college, like, I mean, the Utica College hockey team, I feel yeah. terrible for those guys. Yeah. Jared Fitzpatrick, captain, uh, worked with him a lot, had a, developed a very nice relationship with that kid to see them miss out on um on, on, on what they the nice run that they could have had. Uh, this Comet team was ridiculously special. Yeah. Like they were, they were a very, very talented group. Um, and to see everything end the way it did is just, you know, well, I'll tell you, G Gary Heenan was a guest on my radio show numerous times. And, mm -hmm. uh, this team this year was, was special. I mean, he's had some good teams there. I've, I, I mean, like all of us, this team could have won a national championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no I, I doubt. Truly believe, I truly believe that. And it's funny because when you look at them, when you watch them play, there wasn't there wasn't a kid, there wasn't a kid that was just a, an unbelievable talent out there. It was a whole group, a whole individual. Uh, it was a whole group of people working together for for one goal, and that was just that was fun to watch. The I, I don't I don't get to go and watch them as much anymore because I have to be at every every comic game. So I yep. can't just live at the Adirondack Bank Center as much as I'd like to, but <laughs> family doesn't want me to do that. Um but it was it was very it was it was special watching this team play. Well, and I'll tell you what, is the facilities at Utica College for you know, if, if you're from the outside and you come to Utica and you see the facilities, you're not gonna say it's a division three school. No it's it's some of the best facilities in the state, in the country. So as a, and, and kudos to the administration that have 
developed that place since 2000 and on. Because I know as a, as a graduate in 2000, looking at Utica College, um, and now when I came back in 2008 to, to go to graduate school there, just the, the academic buildings and the athletic facilities, it's just, un, it it's was unreal. And now you add a dome there. Yep. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, five, five athletic trainers on staff an orthopedic surgeon, physical therapy program. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unreal. And, and, and even the academic sides that they offer, the different majors that they offer at that school, it's 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 an unbelievable facility for sure. And I know all the coaches say from a recruiting standpoint, just to be able to How sell a recruit, it's it yeah. sells itself. You know, the yeah. type of athletes going to Utica College now are so yeah. different yeah. than they were years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think it, all it, the teams have gotten better. Yeah, they really have. Uh, from, you know, one of our goals going in, uh, with SPI doing strength and conditioning was to reduce injury rates. And I really, truly feel like we have done that from the first time that we started working on the strength and conditioning, working with their athletic trainers, working with the coaches. Um, I feel like we have brought injury rates down there, which, you know, one would say being a physical therapist and having a physical therapy business is counterproductive, but yeah. it, it, it's important. It's important to have kids being able to play. That's what I want to see more than anything. So you know, one of the, the the final topics I wanted to get with you on, I wanted to make sure I got this in. Mm -hmm. um, as far as weight training goes, again, yeah. I keep saying when I was back in school, I started working out in the gym with Coach Tom Myslinski when I was in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of athletes now, like my son, will say, Dad, I want to work out. My son's eight. Is there a mm -hmm. certain age you would you would say, you know what, you can start at light, don't get too intense, but or do you say, eh, wait till you're – your junior high school is there an age limit so what the research what the research says and then what my clinical experience says are, you know a couple different things one um the answer obviously is it depends you're gonna you're gonna look at a kid you put all eight you put 10 eight-year-olds together not one of them are going to look the same okay right. some are going to be more developed than others um so you have that aspect of things uh the other thing is you know, you want to be able to get kids moving when they're running and they're jumping. Those are significant forces that are being put through the joints throughout the body. So for someone to say, oh, I'm not going to do strength training with my son because it, it's going to injure them. You're putting a lot more force when you're jumping off the back of a truck mm -hmm. uh, onto the ground than you are when you're just holding on to something and doing a squat. So as long as you're doing everything in moderation, as long as you have, you know, the, the appropriate plan going forward, um, and then also, you know, having the child, you know, listen to their own body. I think it's safe. I, I really do. Um, that's not to say that whenever every eight or nine or 10 year old that comes into our facility, you know, just gets weight thrown at them because that's not the truth. But you can work on balance. You can work on agility. You can work on, you know, some light body weight strength and conditioning. And that's going to transition them to be a better athlete and better prepare them for when they do hit that age of maturation where they can start doing some loaded exercises. You know, nowadays too, with these indoor facilities that we have now in, in central New York here, you know, it's amazing now what, and, and you know, here's the thing. And I say this on my Saturday morning show, I mm -hmm. think it's good, these facilities, but I also think it's bad because if you have somebody that wants to play baseball all year round, it's there for you. It's there for you. You know, if you want to play soccer all year round, it's there. So I'm kind of in the middle. I think it's great for the kids, but mm -hmm. I also think it focuses too much for a kid to play one sport and not the three sport athletes anymore. Right. So 
what one thing that we do when we have a kid come in and we know that they are doing they're playing their sport year round or one one sport one one sport year round that goes into or they're a single sport athlete um say they're just playing baseball that goes into a lot of how we're going to program them you know if if they're if they're a baseball player for example and they're not playing any other sports um you know, we're going to throw more agility in there, especially in the off season. We're going to limit what they're doing and try to educate them as much as possible. Hey, all the research is saying, if you throw a baseball year round, you're at a higher percentage of an injury to your elbow or shoulder, Mm -hmm. take two to three months off from throwing and then work on the imbalances that come from throwing, throwing a baseball is not a natural motion. Um, So what we do then is it, it gets them to buy into what you know what we're trying to accomplish and we can we can fill those gaps that they would get from playing a basketball or playing a soccer mm-hmm. where they're getting you know different mobility mobility work and if you're programming that in then then you're accomplishing that but it takes it takes doing a good evaluation on the athlete a couple other things I want to ask you. One of them mm-hmm. is, you know, nowadays too, you have these AAU teams, these travel leagues for for all these sports, and I think that's taken a little bit away from, you know, back when I played, it was all about, you know, the Black Knights, you know, on on my right. jersey, you know, yeah. baseball. It was about the school. Now you have these AAU, these travel teams that kids are mm-hmm. being recruited through those right. types of teams versus their own high school teams. Mm-hmm. That's changed over the years. What's it, your thoughts on that? So it's tough because, you know, they're, they're pumping they're you know, and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot here, but they're pumping parents' heads full of these ideas. Well, you know, that they're going to get more exposure here. They're going to get, uh, we're going to be able to put them into, you know, X college, give me X amount of dollars and we're going to do that. You know, we talk to college coaches all the time. The numbers don't lie. The video doesn't lie. The stats don't lie. They're watching you play no matter where you are. Right. It's so easy. I, I guess for a college coach now, um, recruiting is so much easier because of, you know, the internet, you can, you can pump out all your stats. Yeah. So like, yes, you are getting that exposure, but what are you, you know, like, what are you exposing? If you're not focusing on one, you know, the proper rest, the proper rehabilitation and the proper strength and conditioning, you're just exposing that you're lacking, you're lacking something. So if you're putting more emphasis on being on a travel team to go to some camp somewhere, you're exposing that you're slow rather than taking that money and putting it into a facility and actually getting stronger and getting faster. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the, other, the last thing I wanted to just ask you a little bit about mm-hmm. is supplements wasn't that big years ago. I mean, when I was, it was creatine when I was growing up and right, now there's right. everything imaginable that you can put into your body. Yeah. Um, and, and nowadays too, with uh, the NCAA doing all the drug testing, you don't yeah. know what the, what's safe to put in. Um, but talk to us a little bit about the supplements, what's so, good, what's not good. Uh, so the supplements aren't a field that I'm too very, uh, that I'm not very well versed in. However, um, when we deal with, uh, on the professional level, there's a certain company and I believe it's NCF and I'm not 100% sure on that, but they will test certain supplements to make sure that they are safe for the athlete. So if you're looking for that, and if you're going by that safety guideline, you know, then, then, you know, you're in the clear because when they come in and they do their testing, you know, nothing's going to be positive when you're only putting in your body, what's being appropriately tested. That's the first thing, um, to touch on the supplements, uh, I really do think that there's so many gaps in people's nutrition that you don't need supplementation. You just need to eat. 
there are so many kids that just aren't eating enough. Like, so go after the low hanging fruit. I ask kids all the time, you know, they come in and they want to play a collegiate sport and they weigh 140 pounds. Like, <laughs> are you seeing, are you, are you watching, you know, are you watching college football on a Saturday? Are you looking at those guys? Are you looking at college ba- basketball? Are you looking at the average weight of a major league pis- pitcher or a college pitcher? And if you're not 185, 195, like that, that's a big gap. And sometimes it's just eating more, just tracking your calories, using an app on your phone, tracking what you're putting into your body as as part of regular food supplements, you know, not just looking at some, you know, something that's on a, a shelf somewhere, fill in the gaps there. And then if you're hitting all of that and you're still not making gains, then you can, you can toy with other supplementation. Right. What do you like to do when you're not working? Oh man. I, the best part of my day is coming home and seeing my kids say, Hey daddy, that is yep. the best part of my day. Um, the hockey season is very, very long. Um, so this has been an, an interesting time. We, you know, should still be playing right now, but we're not. Um, so that's been nice not being away for two to three hours or two to three nights out of the week. Um, so just coming home, uh, being able to enjoy some time with my family, um, you know, aside from that, I, I've picked up golf in the past couple of years and I've become obsessive of that. Um, big fly fisherman and just enjoy being, being outdoors, just staying busy. How's everybody, family, healthy, safe with yeah. all this? Everyone's doing well. Everyone's doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Anything yeah. else for you want to share with, with our viewers tonight on anything SPI yourself? Just, time uh, flies, man. Time flies. I'm looking down. I'm like, we've already been going at this thing almost 50 minutes. Time just flies when you're when you can yeah, sit back. No. Um, you know, it, we're as a company. You know, we enjoy helping athletes. Our goal is to make athletes better, whatever that means to them. You know, if it if it means just participating in high school, and that's fine. It's not like you have to be a collegiate or a professional athlete to come here. Um, so we just want to make athletes better. We want to take you if you're injured and make you better. Um, if you're, you know, looking to get faster, we're going to put the proper tools in place to, to put you where you need to be. Um, and, and you're going to have a good time doing it. We, we enjoy, we enjoy having a lot of fun here. So, uh, reach out to us, ask any questions that you want, um, schedule a consultation, sit down with us and we're happy to answer any questions that you have. Now what's the, what's the best way to reach you guys? Uh, you can, a lot of times people just stop by the office, but uh, I can be email. I can be reached by email at Ryan at SPIUtica.com. Um, you can call the office. We have a website, SPIUtica.com. Um, there's a lot of good information on there as well. All right, man. Well, listen, it's been fun. I appreciate you coming on tonight and let's get you in the radio station on a Saturday to talk some sports for a couple hours. I'd love that. I'd love that. Whenever you like, please reach out. I would do it in a second. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for tonight. Best of luck. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. So that was Ryan Monaco from SPI Utica for coming on tonight. I appreciate that, Ryan, and uh, nice to have him on. Next week, I got another special guest. We're going to have Jacqueline Davidson will be on next week, uh, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. She is the owner of Sweat right here in Rome. Uh, it's right next door to Utopia across the street from Mazzaferro's. So I will talk to her. Saturday morning, the Mohawk Valley Sports Watch from 9 to 11. I will be talking to high school senior athletes just about every five minutes. Um, I saw the Adopt-A-Senior thing on Facebook. 
which I thought was fantastic. I can only get 10 athletes on that show due to commercials and news. Um, but Saturday morning from right from 9 to 11, I'll be jam-packed with student-athletes. This this show tonight, I will play the replay of it. I'll post it on YouTube. But like my Facebook page, Rocky Corgliano, just give me a like on the page, uh, friend request. Go to YouTube and search Rocky Corgliano. I'm just getting started with that. Right now, I am booked through almost the end of June with this show. So I really, really appreciate that. So on behalf of myself tonight, the coach, stay safe, everybody. Until next Wednesday, the Rock Pile is out.